Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're doing. And welcome to another Anfield Index special. Yes, this time, ladies and gents, we are going South American again because the lads are over in South America, aren't they? Playing their World Cup qualifiers. There's transfer rumours galore going. And there's even, if anyone's noticed, an under-17 World Cup kicking off. So by that nature, it makes complete sense to invite back again an Anfield Index regular South American football expert, Tom Robinson. Tom, how are we? Yeah, doing good, thanks. Um, glad to be back on and, and just about recovered from the, uh, the the pretty dramatic events in South American qualifiers last night. Yeah, it's, it's literally, it's sort of, for those who haven't seen, obviously you, you go to sleep, you wake up and the drama's been and gone type of thing. So as normal, we're running through sort of uh, our boys, how we're getting on. Getting Tom's take on a, a few things as well, because the South American picture is very distinct. I mean, probably the best place to start, I think, is with Uruguay, Tom. So naturally, the big man for us, Darwin Nunes, Uruguay. I mean, literally, we, we you know we turn on the Twitter, the news, whatever it may be, and find that Uruguay have beaten Argentina, the World Cup winners, two 0 away, and there's an you know brilliant breakaway goal. Darwin makes it two 0 late on. I mean, is it is it just me? And this is where we want to get your expertise. It seems that since Bielsa's taken the helm there, not only has the team gone to another level, but he's played a part for us in 
Darwin Nunes going to the next level as well because we're seeing goals, we're seeing assists. Is that a fair take, would you say? Yeah, definitely. I think it's certainly Bielsa's influence, which is really in sort of rapid time as well, transformed quite a a good Uruguay side, but was lacking a bit of identity that we saw at the World Cup. Um, and also, it's, I think the fact that Suarez, even though he's back in the squad, um, and Cavani, they're not really the main men for Uruguay anymore. So he's really grabbed the ball by the horns, as you'd expect him to do. And he's really embracing that central role he's got up front. And it's, it's good as well because he's not... It's not like all the hopes are pinned just on him because you've got Valverde, you've got Ugarte, Bentancourt, um, you know, you've got a really good midfield, some good defenders in there as well, and really nice spine that's that's uh, coming together really nicely. But in terms of the strikers, he's the main man. He can play through the middle. He can use his pace and power and unpredictability just to cause havoc against um, defences in South America. Yeah, and even last night, for anyone who's not seen it, I recommend you watch the highlights because that that second goal, just almost a faint to put Martinez. I know you're a big fan of Martinez, <laughs> a villa boy as well, but great for us to see that. I mean, Uruguay, all, all of a sudden, maybe an unfashionable, so to speak, South American nation. They're right up there in the Conmebol qualifying table, aren't they? Do you think, have they got a real good chance of qualifying, would you say now? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're. I think for a while they've been easily the third best team in, in South America. But given that the Brazil aren't quite at it, given the fact they've managed to beat yeah Argentina 2-0 in Argentina, which I think is the first time in seven years that Argentina have lost a home game or so, so, something like that, only their second defeat in 50-odd games. So that's a, a real feather in their, in their cap, as well as having already beaten Brazil as well. So they've got a great yeah. base of talent, especially when you consider how small a pool of... Um, players they've got to choose from in in Uruguay, sort of similar size to to Scotland um, in terms of population, um, and they've also now got an excellent manager who's going to be perfect for a team that is willing to work hard, has that fight in them as we saw um, certainly with Ugarte yeah. taking it to Depaul with some some choice words and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, other other phrases um, and also I think you've also got the fact that the expanded World Cup means it's even easier for South American teams to qualify than, than it would have been before I would have bet, bet my house on them qualifying in a in the old format as well because they're easily in the best four um, teams in the continent and they've got a real chance now of of maybe even being you know up there fighting with Argentina and Brazil to, to win the qualifiers. So, yeah, it's a really exciting team and they've got a lot of good young players coming through as well. So um, they're managing their transition away from those old legends like Diego Gordin, Suarez, Cavani. Um, and they're, they're going to be a force, not just for this qualifiers, but for a little while. Yeah, and even we've seen Darwin scoring and assisting against Brazil. So he's having a big impact there. So that's pleasing. And I suppose on the other side, the one who maybe suffered or didn't get the result they expected, Alexis McAllister. So it was a weird one last night, Tom, because he only played a half. He was taken off at half time and Lautaro sort of came on in his place, you know, the very different players there. I mean, naturally, as Liverpool fans, we'll be looking and saying, oh, Alexis McAllister, World Cup winner, mainstay of the Argentinian team. Well, then we see him taken off at half time. Is that still a fair statement, would you say? Yeah, I, I still think he's 
a first choice mid- midfielder for Argentina. I think it was probably more for tactical reasons. Bring on a forward when you're chasing the game, having conceded just before half time. Um, he was on a yellow as well. So I don't think he really needs to worry about his place. But I think for him and for many players in that squad, it was just a little bit of a reminder that they can't quite rest on their laurels and think, OK, we've yeah. won the World Cup. That's our place guaranteed for the next four or five years. There's there's a lot of competition and you know, you've got a lot of good teams in this South American qualifiers, which is which is why traditionally it's always been a, a really exciting one to watch. Yeah, it did it, it seemed and and again I don't, from an outsider, there's real tension between those two. Like you said, uh Ugarte choice words, choice phrases, let's say that as well. Messi involved, DePaul. I mean, is that a is that a historic rivalry, Argentina, Uruguay? Is it just literally that these Uruguayans that the new younger generation are sort of built that way and coming up that sense? No, I mean, it's it's definitely a rivalry because, you know, they're either sides of the, well, it's the, the Classico Rio Platense is, is the name for it. They're two of the oldest footballing nations that go all the way back to those early World Cups and, and Olympics um, as well. Um, and there's also just real cultural similarities between the, the two. Um, you know, Uruguayans, they love their mate, they love their beef and asado. The accent is very similar to Buenos Aires um, as well. There's disputes over um, who who kind of had the, the the hero of tango, Carlos Gardel, you know, was a Uruguayan, was he Argentinian? Um, and I think it's because, you know, Uruguay are sandwiched between these two massive goliaths of football um, geographically and they've got a smaller population they've always got that underdog feel about them Um, and you you always feel that certainly it's a friendly rivalry in terms of most Argentinians really like Uruguayans a lot of them will probably even say oh yeah look Uruguay is an extension of Argentina which is, you know, obviously Uruguayans will will be, take a lot of umbrage with, but um, there's definite kind of little brother vibes to, to Uruguay, and it's definitely a big game for them. It's one that Argentina, just from a you know footballing level, always look forward to, and they're, they're tough, always well fought. So there's, I wouldn't say there's like long term animosity between them, but it's certainly a you know um, a battle that's always looked forward to and is one of the highlights of the qualifying campaign. Which will make sense because the one thing we see in regular Liverpool videos is Alexis, almost like a big brother to Darwin with the Mate, yeah, during walking around the, the training ground in that regard. So we'll be interested to see how they get on. And probably going back to a, a team that is probably surprising people, but in a negative sense, Brazil and obviously Alisson. I mean, it was actually a, a rare start. Edison had a knock, so Allison takes the number number one jersey. And we look at the highlights. I mean, he does actually make a number of saves for them as well against Colombia. But do you think he's actually got any chance of on that form? And obviously what we see, because we think he's the, the best, don't get me wrong. Do you think he's actually got a chance of getting ahead of Edison or does it seem Brazil have pretty much made Edison the number one now? How do you see that? I think it's tricky to say. I mean, they're both... Brilliant, brilliant goalkeepers. You know, you could argue they're both in the maybe top five in the world. So for, for Brazil, either or is, is fine. But I think, you know, Alisson traditionally has been the number one, certainly under Cheech. He was he was the number one. But I think Denise, who's obviously just a caretaker manager at this point, 
Um, maybe prefers Edison for his ball playing ability. Not that Allison's bad with his feet at all, but you know that's obviously one of Edison's you know best attributes. So I think it might just be a temporary spell out the 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 number one jersey. If Ancelotti comes in as he's meant to, you could easily see him reverting back to, to Allison. And whoever is on the bench is going to feel hard done by basically because there's it's not through any poor performance. So. It's it's one of those quirks where you've just got an abundance of talent, really, and um, yeah, and who, who knows? May, maybe this will, you know, even though they've come off as as uh, on the losing side against Colombia, they mm-hmm. not through no fault of Allison. So maybe he he now stays in. Maybe Edison comes back in. But yeah, it's an interesting one to to, to watch um, as as things progress and as the managerial situation is resolved. Yeah, maybe as that becomes clearer. And I mean, we look at that table, Tom. It's one thing, If the first thing that sort of strikes me as an outsider, how maybe how low Brazil are, how little, you know, points they've got at the moment. Are they are they firing well below expectations or is it an acceptance of the managerial situation, what's happened, or is it just literally Brazil are well below what we'd expect? Well, one thing when it comes to expectations in Brazil is they're always super high. You know, they expect to win every game. They expect to win every World Cup you know, regardless of who's in the team. Um, so it's, it's been a disappointing start to qualifiers, particularly in the last three games. They've had two losses and a draw. Um, and I think you can put that down to a few things. Obviously, the change of manager, bringing in a different style, just getting used to that. There's injuries as well. Neymar obviously is a big a big blow for them because he's such a talisman. Uh, but also Vinicius went off in a game against Colombia yeah. last night. So, you know, that's your second, you know, your best two players um, in, the, in the attack. Luckily, they've got a lot of good attackers, um, you know, spoiled for choice, really. But then you're, it's a case of, you know, the, the, the blanket scenario of if you're, if you're sort of covering it too high, you're leaving your feet and, and vice versa. So in midfield, you still feel like there's, um, decisions to be made about what's the right blend to get the best out of things. You look at their fullbacks, Renan Lodi and um, Emerson Royale, not great by Brazilian standards at all. And, and I thought Luis Diaz absolutely tore Emerson apart um, all through the game. Um, so that's that's an area that's long been a problem for Brazil, quite surprisingly, given given their pedigree in that yeah. area. Um, so it's not quite a crisis yet, um, but I think if they lose their next game to Argentina... Um, which would be the first time they'd ever lost a home qualifier in the entire history of, of Commonwealth qualifiers. That could really ramp things up a notch. Um, and Brazil, are in the, certainly in the domestic league, they're very trigger happy with hiring and firing managers. So um, even though Denise is riding a wave of support, winning the Libertadores, um, yeah, the, the whole uncertainty, uncertainty around it, I think, is is not ho- hoping, uh, helping, rather. Um yeah. But, you know, Brazil never lose at home um, and they'll definitely qualify for the World Cup. So, you know, in a couple of days' time, we might be saying, yeah, what were we worrying about? Yeah, interesting to change quickly, especially the way the qualifiers come thick and fast. Yeah, we'll know by next week. I mean, the, the place we've got to go next, Luis Diaz, Lucho for us. I mean, it's been for almost for all the wrong reasons, a crazy few weeks for him. But last night, I mean, a double to take the victory against Brazil. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, the scenes which are incredible with his father in the stands as well, his reaction. I mean, in South America, what has been the whole reaction to almost this 
this saga because obviously we're looking from the outside but naturally there's been thought there's a political element you know Diaz a star in Colombia all that type of thing what has been the take sort of back home in Colombia yeah I mean it's I mean, it's been similar to the coverage around the world, really. It's been, you know, obviously a lot closer to home for Colombians, especially given the the history of kidnappings and violence that has happened over the last 30, 40 years. Fortunately, it's it's less of an issue these days than it was in the in the 80s and 90s. But, you know, I think the huge demonstrations that came out in support of Diaz really kind of forced the situation in terms of bringing everything to a thankfully a, a good conclusion um because yeah you know there are better p- people placed to, to speak on it than myself but you know it's it's a very interesting situation in terms of you know it's not necessarily that it was for a ransom money it was did seem a very um political move and a political shooting himself in the foot really because it just showed what a star um, Diaz, how yeah. how well loved he is in the country, um, and last last night it was just a, you, you couldn't if you wrote it it would just seem too cheesy. It's one of those storylines that football gives you that that you just you just don't get anywhere else. Um, and you know, scoring two goals in okay, not quite your hometown, but the biggest city close to close to where you've grown up. To beat Brazil two one, almost with James Rodriguez assisting the the final goal, it was almost the passing of the baton from you know one Colombian superstar to the new guy who's even though he's not scored a lot recently for Colombia, um, he's been the, the the sort of creative player who everything's going through, and I think you know so that there's the personal element you know having gone through everything he's gone through. But then yeah. there's also just the footballing side of it. You're beating Brazil, which is huge. You're ending a bit of a goal drought. And, you know, Colombia haven't scored much in general. So it was all these things that just led to that amazing atmosphere in, in Barranquilla, which, I mean, you always get a great atmosphere there, to be to be honest. But it was just, yeah, fever pitch. And, um, yeah, a really, really big result for Colombia in, in terms of trying to get back to where they were sort of, um, several years ago. Yeah, I mean, the this, this scenes, especially in the end, the, the crowd and everything else was just unbelievable. I mean, looking at the table, they seem quite well-placed now as well. Are, are Colombia, are you expecting them to qualify for the World Cup as well, with Luis Diaz? Yeah, I, th- I think they should do. I think they'll be probably the, the fourth or fifth best team, sort of duking out with Ecuador in terms of um, those sides that should comfortably qualify. Um, they're... In, in terms of population, they're the second biggest in, in South America. So you'd expect them to be doing better than they have been. Um, mm. But they're unbeaten. Their big issue is not scoring enough and drawing too many games. Um, but they're clearly better than, you know, at least half of the teams there in, in qualifiers. So I, I think, again, going back to the fact that there's more, more spots available means that they should be, um, should be, well placed to qualify. I mean, they were well placed last time, and they just went on a horrendous game of like seven games without scoring a single goal. So that was wow. a surprise. They dropped off so much last time around. I mean, I don't think they're going to rip up any trees at the World Cup um, if and when they qualify. Um, but the signs are looking good. There's a lot of um, under twenty players coming through who are looking really promising. And I think that maybe not this cycle, but the next cycle, we, we're going to see a, a more competitive Colombia again. But Diaz 
is definitely going to be the, the the figurehead. And I think that's one thing that, you know, you look at the top teams in South America um, and especially the teams like yeah Uruguay, um, Ecuador, Colombia, they've all got those different make, difference makers, most of them playing at Liverpool. Um, and the, the teams that are struggling, you know, the Perus, the Chiles, um, mm. the Paraguays, They've got good players, but they don't have any superstars who can just conjure up that bit of magic like Diaz, like Nunez. Um, and, and then that's, that's the kind of real, real difference. And that's why I'm sort of pretty confident on Colombia's chances. Yeah. I mean, it, even like you say, you can sort of see the separation in the table already. And then there's still another round of fixtures to go as well. I mean, there's some tasty looking ones. Does you say what I was going to ask you? Like, you know, what's the pick for you? Is there anywhere else to go but Brazil, Argentina? <laughs> surely. Yeah, I mean that's that's obviously the, the big one. Always is. Um, I mean, it's huge rivalry. They're both coming off a loss, um, and there's that feeling in Argentina, maybe a little bit less so um, after after the Uruguay game, that Brazil are there for the taking and and really getting that historic record would be would be massive. Um, so that's obviously the big one, but. I think the other one that's interesting, more of a, a deeper cut, is the kind of Peru versus Venezuela game because Venezuela have made a really good start. They're right up there, doing a lot better better than expected. And Peru are massively underperforming. They've yet to score. I think they've only had two shots on target in all Jeez. their games so far. So they're, they're being, you know, really shocking. Um, so it probably won't be too entertaining, but there's a lot riding on it because it could really cement Venezuela as you know, up there with the big boys um, and and putting themselves in a good position to qualify for a first ever World Cup. Um, whereas Peru, you know, they need to get a result here. Otherwise, you know, you could almost write off their qualification already. Wow. Yeah, especially so early. And then the only other thing I really want to ask you about the, the qualifying, which probably sounds strange, is when it's done, you probably guess I'd ask you this, how quickly we can get back our players because there's been a lot of talk, isn't there, about the South American Football Association's laying on private jets, club club involved, all that type of thing. Is that fully what what you're hearing, what you'd expect to happen? Just get the players back as quick as possible. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them end up sharing um, sort of jets back to, to the, uh, the sort of the Northwest particularly, because you've got lots going back to Manchester and, and Liverpool. So you'll often get them all coming back, back together. Um, obviously it's, it's a toll, the extra traveling, but I think it's something that right across the board, you see the players so motivated to represent their country, especially, you know, Uruguayans, Argentinians, Brazilians, I'm sure Diaz as well for Colombia. So passionate about that, that it's something that they absolutely live for and, and they wouldn't have it any other way. So it's, it's always something, but the amount of, South American players that play in the Premier League now and, and the ease of air travel, for especially when you've got the, the deep pockets like they do, then uh, it, it makes things a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's not too much of an issue, really. Yeah, absolutely. And well, fingers crossed because it's City Liverpool, isn't it? Half 12 on Saturday. So, yeah, no injuries and straight back. And going a bit, a bit to a, a different tournament that the Under 17 World Cup's on for those that, that haven't been watching it. I mean, it's always an interesting tournament, Tom, especially from a South American perspective, because there's usually one that people like you, South American, you know, followers or experts will know, but kind of introduces them to the European market, doesn't it? The, the domestic fans, that type of thing as well. Looking at 
who's there from South America, the, the teams, the stars, who would you sort of flag as expecting to put down a marker and sort of come on the European team's radar in this one? Yeah, so, yeah, as you, as you rightly say, clubs more and more these days are looking younger and younger to um, to recruit players. And, and already you see some of the biggest names from the countries who've qualified are already with senior setups like Endrick for Brazil and Kendry yeah. Pays for for Ecuador, you know, both already snapped up by top top clubs. Um, Argentina missing Gianluca Prestiani as well, um, who's I think still due to go to Benfica. So, you know, already you're looking at players at 16, 17 being snapped up, but there's still a ton of talent and most of them haven't moved uh, abroad. So just sort of running through the teams, Argentina, they t- topped a tough group um, after a first uh, first day defeat against Senegal. The one player there that people should 100% keep an eye out for is uh, River Plate number 10, uh, Claudio Echeverri, who I, we might have mentioned before on, yeah. on previous pods. Um, just a classic number 10, glides past players. He scored a brilliant free kick um, in, in the second game. Um, and he he just looks a step above the others. I was, I was watching him earlier today against Poland. And yeah, he's he's fantastic. And he's already on the fringes of the River team, um, uh, River, River Plate first team. And mm. he's someone who looks, he's like earmarked by everyone as kind of, you know, a, a Messi-esque kind of, type of player not obviously not as good as Messi but he, he's looking really good and, and River have got a few players actually in that squad who, who are looking good Agustin Roberto who's got three goals up front um, Ian Subia Bre he he looked like a good good little winger uh, Franco Maston Tuono look he's only he's one of the youngest players at the tournament and he's he's looking like a, a good player up front so lots of good attacking talent in that Argentina team Um Santiago Lopez from Independiente, he's, he's impressed me as well. So yeah, lots lots to like about that team. Brazil, as you'd expect, some amazing individuals that just beat England 2-1 um, earlier today in, in a really good match. Um, but yeah, the two players from that team that I'd probably um, pick out, um, one is uh, uh, Ryan or Ryan, if you want to get the Portuguese pronunciation there, always a bit tricky. Um, but yeah, Vasco da Gama forwards, um, Usually off the left, but can operate as a number nine as well. He's quite tall and, and powerful as, as well as being really skillful. And then you've got the kind of next prodigy from Palmeiras after Endrick is Esteval, um, who's, yeah, more of a sort of slinky, skillful, wide, wide forward, maybe a, you know, in a Raheem Sterling, Phil Foden kind of mold. Um, mm. Or shades of Di Maria about him as as well. You know that that kind of player, um, really good at cutting in off the right onto his left foot and beating players and, and having a shot from distance. So they're they're looking really really good. Um, Brazil haven't quite impressed me as much as I thought, uh, given they're South American champions, um, but they've got some great players in there. Um, and then the other two teams, Ecuador and Venezuela, probably not quite as um, you know. Big big names in terms of, yeah. of football, but Ecuador's youth um, football program has, has been really good. There's a couple of cl- clubs who have uh, got some of the best facilities on the continent. They've been winning the Sudamericana as well. Um, so you've got Alan Abando is a is a rangy striker up front um, for the Ecuadorian Barcelona, 
um, who's who's yeah good in the air. Um, he looks like the, sort of the pick of that bunch. Um, but there's also a sort of support striker called Michael Bermudez, who's the um, yeah he's he's the captain and he's he's come up with a couple of big goals. Um, and Venezuela have got one guy who I think is the, the standout a guy called David Martinez. Um, again, sort of a number ten, very athletic, skillful, quick. Um, he's I, I saw him at the under twenties, and he was one of the best players in that. So he's eligible for the under seventeens, under twenties, wow. and he's already played for the senior team as well. So he's one who's who's well thought of, and um, and yeah, as as things stand. Um, Argentina, Brazil, and Ecuador through Venezuela should be through. Um, they've got got to play Germany, but I think even as one of the best placed third sides, they should they should sneak through there. So yeah, definitely Argentina and Brazil gunning for the title, um, and Ecuador capable of uh, yeah m- maybe going a little bit further as well. Yeah, just sounds it's always the big tournament where some some players announce themselves, like you said, someone like Hendrik already getting picked up at such a young age. And it's right to speak about players because naturally with Liverpool, we are being linked with certain South American. It, it seems to be a younger player as well, being honest, Tom. So there was a couple of names that are coming up repeatedly through for various rumours, sites, journalists, all that type of thing. Probably surprised to know the first one isn't Andre this time, <laughs> but the first one, and, and again, you can correct me on pronunciation, I think it's pronounced Lucas Beraldo at Sao yeah. Paulo. That's Spot the name on. that keeps, keeps coming up. So what do we know about him? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a classy left-footed ball-playing centre-half, which is kind of the the unicorn that everyone's always after these days when it comes to centre-backs. Um, you know, already a first-team regular at, I think, 19 uh, for Sao Paulo, won the Copa de Brazil, um, kind of their FA Cup, effectively. Um, and yeah, v- very good on the ball. So he he would kind of suit a, a top team that's kind of more possession-based. Uh, I think the question you always have is how are they going to deal with the pace and physicality of, of the Premier League? Um, mm. And you wonder, you know, could he potentially be exposed by by a high line or, or something like that? Um, because football in Brazil is is very slow. <laughs> um, it's it's nowhere like the intensity of, of of Premier League. So you know, if you compare him to someone like Murillo, um, who went to Nottingham Forest, yeah. I think they really kind of went for him over Beraldo because of the physical nature that that he can bring. But then again, that's probably because he's more needed for their style of play. Liverpool going to have more of the ball. You don't want to be getting into as many slug fight, uh, slug fest as, as, as Nottingham Forest might be. So I, I feel like he's more of a kind of a, a player that would go in at a, uh, a top side that's, that's really bossing the possession. Um, and he's, yeah, he's probably one of the most highly rated centre-backs still in Brazil. So yeah, he, he feels like, um, yeah, one of the next ones to go for sure. Interesting. And then maybe I got lucky with this one. I'm probably going to, well, the last one, I might butcher this one. We'll see. I think it's pronounced Gabriel Moscardo or something like that. Corinthians. Yeah. Gabriel Moscardo. Um, so he's, he's a, again, the fact that Liverpool are linked with him feels like, oh, maybe this is them pivoting away from Andre and to Moscardo, who's a little bit younger, a little bit more um, raw, not as much experience, but probably might have a higher ceiling than than Andre, which is saying quite a, quite a lot because Andre is a fantastic midfielder. Um, mm. you know, he's playing for the Brazil national team now. But yeah, Moscardo, who's come in halfway through the year, 
really kind of tall and well built for his age. Um, maybe more of a a Fabinho um, in terms of someone who can get stuck in as well as pass the ball around. Um, I've seen him link uh, compared to Declan Rice as well because he can power forward. He can pick those yeah. sort of punchy passes um, through the lines. Um, you know, rather than kind of one who sort of circulate, circulates it around at the base of midfield. Um, and he's been really impressive the way he's just taken to first team football uh, at such a young age, I think 17 when he made his debut. And, you know, there was, there was one example in a game. I can't remember who exactly it was against, but really late in the game, he kind of picked the pocket of someone deep in his own half flicked it past them, little one-two give and go, powered forward and, and you know, set up the move that eventually got Corinthians a, um, a really vital goal. So he's he's someone who I think by this time next year, if he's not already moved, will be top of everyone's shopping list in terms of young Brazilian midfielders, um, kind of where Andre's at right now. Um so yeah, maybe Liverpool are just thinking, you know what, let's let's get in there before the hype's built too much and and maybe because Andre's now, you know, more in everyone's uh shop window because of the Libertadores run, because he's a Brazil international, um, because of the you know, the interest from Liverpool, which is gonna just gonna bump up the price as well. Maybe Moscardo's a more of a, a gettable and maybe not quite as expensive option that perhaps needs a little bit more work, but um, is is going to be you know it looks like he's got everything to be be a really top midfielder. Good to hear. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, especially where we go in that transfer window. But South America seems very much on the shopping list if the rumours to be believed with Liverpool. So all it really leaves me to say is, Tom, thanks for your time, thanks for your expertise as ever. It's much appreciated. My pleasure. No, good to speak, and um, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, yeah what happens next in these in these next qualifiers. Yeah, as is every Liverpool fan, with fingers crossed, no injuries, and back <laughs> home ahead of the City game as quickly as possible. But, ladies and gents, that was a special South American stars. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.